and contagious worshiper. Hallelujah. I defined extravagance, and I'm going to define it again. Uh, extravagance in the uh, Cambridge Dictionary. Can you equalize my sound a bit? It's so flat. I'm not happy about it at all. Extravagant is an adjective that describes how something is done. And he says that it is exceeding the limit of reason. Somebody say exceeding the limit of reason. Which means that it is beyond reason. Amen. When we say somebody is extravagant, we're saying that that person goes beyond reason in their spending. Lacking moderation, balance or restraint. They lack moderation. An extravagant shopper is somebody that shops without moderation. An extravagant eater is somebody that eats without moderation. An extravagant, uh, what do you call it? Giver is somebody that gives without moderation. An extravagant person is an opulent person. Somebody that displace their wealth. An extravagant dresser is a dresser that dresses without restraint. Excessive. Amen. Spending too much money than necessary. Being lavish. And God expects you and I to worship him in that manner. God doesn't want us to worship him with restraints. Contrary to popular opinion, God doesn't want a restrained worshiper. God wants an opulent worshiper. God wants an extravagant worshiper. God wants a worshiper that is very, very lavish in their worship style. Unfortunately, for most of us, when we come to the house of God, that is when we put on all our, we put on our Sunday best suit and we put on our best behavior and we become very restrained in our behavior. Saturday night, you are jumping all over the shop. Sunday, you put on your nice clothes and you become stiff. Contrary to what God wants from us. Amen. So this month, my prayer for all of us is, is for us to become careless in our worship. An extravagant person is a careless person. Give me some volume. It's getting better. So give me volume. And put some volume in my monitors for me. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. And today I'm going to talk about worship not from the, um, what's it called, the traditional sense of the word. Now, let's define worship. Let's define worship. I just looked at the definition of worship before I got up. And worship is defined as the feeling of expressing or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. It's a feeling of expression of worship to a supreme being. Amen. 
And so when we say worship, traditionally we are talking about singing, we are talking about praising, we are talking about praying. But I also want to introduce another form of worship which most of us have not looked at as worship. But today I want to show it to you as it's also part of worship. First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter number 3. We are going to read from verses 3 all the way to 15. The Bible says that, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the status, status of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon, Gibeon to sacrifice there, sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because you have walked, he has walked before, he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your, your people and that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. And, the, and God said, because you have not asked this thing, and you have not asked for long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the lives of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself, understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there, is, there has not been anyone like you, anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Mercy. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings of your days, all your, all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my status and my commandment, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a great feast for all his servants. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. Now, Solomon was... A guy who had been put in the place of his father, the king. Now, we all know the story about Solomon. He was not the firstborn son. He was 
a, a, a result of an affair. Do you understand? He was not the firstborn son, yet for some reason, yet for some reason, God decided to keep him in place of Adonijah, who was supposed to be the firstborn son. Amen. There is something that I want us to learn from this guy, Solomon. The first thing that I want us to learn, and all the things that we are going to learn, is going to show us who an extravagant worshiper is and what we ought to be if we want to become extravagant worshippers. Amen. Verse 3 says that, and, the, and Solomon loved the Lord. Somebody say, and Solomon loved the Lord. Or oh, say like you mean it, and Solomon loved the Lord. You cannot be a great worshiper without love. Amen. I, I said you cannot be a great worshiper without what? Every worshiper has one common theme, and the theme is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3, the Bible says that if I give my, my body to be burnt, and I have no love, he says that though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not loved, it profits me nothing. Hallelujah. The greatest gift or power that goes with worship is love. The reason why we don't, we don't worship in the sense that we ought to worship is because we don't have love. Remember the story we, we looked at on, on Wednesday, the woman with the issue of black, the, the, the woman with the alabaster box. The Bible says that when she broke the, the box and she perfumed Jesus' feet, the disciples said that to what, to what waste is this? We ought to have sold this expensive oil and taking the proceeds and fed the poor. And the Bible says that he said this not because he loved the poor, but because he was a greedy person. Because he was a thief. Hallelujah. A lot of us, we are very, very, very restrained in our worship of God because we have ulterior motives. It's because we have greed. The reason why we don't give in the house of God is because we have ulterior motives, like Lucifer, uh, what do you call it? Judas? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We say that, oh, the church doesn't need this type of money. To what waste is this? This great waste. When you come to the house of God and there's something nice, say, oh, this is a waste of money. It is only in the house of God that we don't expect any nice thing. I'm talking to thieves now. Oh, I think give me some volume so I can, I can say it like I want to say it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Every time we do something nice, because it's okay for that nice thing to be done in your house, but it's not okay for it to be done in the house of God. But in the house of God, it is wasteful. In a secular place, when you see that thing done, it's fine. 
But when it comes to the house of God and it's done, immediately you have something against it. Hallelujah. We don't want anything nice in the house of God. We have a certain disdain for opulence in our worship. Let me break the English down a bit. We look down on the way people worship. When somebody's dancing too much, say, what is wrong with this person? Do they have, to, do they have problems? Or are they trying to get a, a husband or a wife? Why are they doing too much? When somebody lifts his knees down and they lift up their, their hands and they are crying in their worship, you, you go, mm, what are they doing? It's, it's, it sounds creepy. It's, it's making me uncomfortable. It's because you don't love much. Jesus said that to whom that is forgiven much, loves much. Hallelujah. When somebody has been good to you, you are grateful. When somebody has loved you, you will love them back. You know, the reason why sometimes we behave the way we behave is because there's no love in our lives for God. Look at the people in, Bos in uh, Ukraine right now. What has happened to their bank balances? Those that just bought brand new, brand new uh, what do you call it, cars and houses, they run out of those houses and left those cars with just little bags. Do you think that you are exempted? Do you think that because you are in this part of the world, you are okay? A madman woke up one day and said that I don't want these people to stay in their homes. And the people are in the winter, in the cold, trying to run for their lives. Who, who knows who a crazy person wants to rise around here? Hallelujah. But you rather save the money in the bank than worship the God who has given you peace. The one who has given you life. People were, were in their beds and they were bombed. And they died. They didn't do anything wrong. They were not evil people. They were minding their own businesses. But then somebody woke up and said that these people, I need to take the country. Something that is not yours, how can you take it? Hallelujah. But you see, we love him because he first loved us. Bible says in John 3.16 that the one who we imitate, he loved us extravagantly that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only. The one and only. To give your only means you are an extravagant person. You are a wasteful person. You don't think about savings. You have given everything. And once it's gone, it's gone. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him should not pray. But have, which means he gave his son and the son was, uh, 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 what do you call it? What's, what's the word? It's a random coin toss. Because if the master knew that some would reject him, he would have thought twice. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying, my logic. If you, this is my only son. If I give him, 
will all the people receive him? Say that whosoever, which means some will reject him. Hallelujah. In, in John chapter 1, I think verse 2, that he came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God, which means that it is not all of them who received him. He came, he thought he had given himself to his people. But they didn't receive him. They did not receive him. Hallelujah. He gave everything, hoping that everybody would receive him, but not everybody was interested. But he gave it anyway. Because he was an extravagant giver. Why? Because he loved the world. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave. If you love, you will give. Let me look at your giving pattern to determine whether you love God or not. Ask your neighbor. If we are to look at your giving pattern, what will be the level of your love? Hello. If you are to look at the level of your giving, see, don't shout that you love God. You love God. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to work. No, no, don't tell me. Don't, don't be a liar. Because lovers give. If you love, you give. So, where is your giving? Hallelujah. Go back to the, the, the verse we are looking First King, uh, Solomon, the, the Solomon's, um, Solomon loved the Lord. Amen. He loved the Lord. And so he bent and gave offerings. You know, I was looking at the number of offerings Solomon gave. I think if you go to 2 Chronicles 7, you see some of the things he gave. He gave 120,000 sheep and 60-something thousand goats, uh, cows. Now, assuming that one sheep is 200 pounds. Okay. Can I have the mathematicians work this out for me? 120,000 times 200. 120,000 sheep. Yeah, 120,000 sheep times 200. 2.4 million. 24 million. Are, are, you, are you listening to it? He gave 24 million. Just, just equivalent of sheep. And 22,000 bulls. That's the milk cows. Now, a cow is, um, a cow, full cow is probably about 500 pounds or, or 600 pounds. But a bull is more expensive than a cow. Because bulls are, are fewer than cows. So you have like a, a head ahead you have about maybe 10 bulls and maybe um, what do you call it 100 or 200 cows and they only have 10 bulls out of the uh, the, the 100 cows you uh, 100 you have are, are you getting what i'm saying so 
just look at the, let's make it a thousand pounds. So, 120, 22,000 times, times thousand. It's 22 million. Plus 24 million. Can you see extravagance? Can you see opulence? He's, he's, you know, and, and, and what you must understand is that he is giving us a bent offering. So it's not, it's not being given for it to be saved somewhere. It is being bent. When the thing is bent, it is bent. It's spot. It's gone. He's actually spoiling it. Like the woman broke the alabaster box. It was broken. The, the oil was everywhere. It was gone. It, if it's gone, you can't gather it anymore. It is gone and it's gone. And he did it just because he wanted to worship. Hallelujah. When the cow is bent, it's, be, it's bent to ashes. He offered such great opulence. Such great carelessness. When you are coming to give your offering, I have 300 pounds. Uh, if I give 10 pounds, you know, the bag is 220 pounds. Uh, if I give 20, uh, 30 pounds, I, I can buy the bag, but I won't be able to buy the the shoe, the shoe is 120 pounds. So, uh, let's say I have some five pound change. Then we bring it. We put it in an envelope and they come and put it there. Mercy, Lord. See, we were raising funds to buy this building. And they brought envelopes here. And one envelope had three pounds, 16 pence. Go and use three pounds, 16 pence to buy a building and see. Have you seen our mind? Yeah. But you will use much, much more to buy KFC. You see, the, the, the thing about the house of God is that God doesn't need your money or my money. Whether you give or you don't give, it will be done. So it's not a, a means to extort money from you. No. I, I, and I'm not saying it because I want you to give money in this church. I'm just showing you how to worship God wherever you go. When you are giving, be extravagant in your giving. Hallelujah. Because it expresses the love you have for God. Are you with me? Because, I mean, look at it. Before you came, this building was here. We had already bought the building. And so whether you give or not, the building is here. Do, do you get it? Whether you give or not, the building will be okay. We will we'll be all right. Hallelujah. So it's not about you giving. It's about you having a relationship. Just imagine you have a relationship with a spouse who never gives you anything. Never gives you anything. Birthday, nothing. Christmas, nothing. Valentine, he actually fought with you because he didn't want to buy anything. Preach, 
Doesn't give anything. Doesn't buy anything. And then they will come and say, oh, I love you. So you want to slap their face. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many will like such person? Such a person? A spouse who never gives anything. Will never give you anything. Oh, when they give you something, they won't change. They give you five pounds, they won't change back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> they are giving you a lift, but you have to pay for the petrol. Mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you want such a person? No. The second thing about Solomon I want you to see, Solomon, desire, his desire was to please God. He wanted a close relationship. The Bible says he worked closely with God like his father. He wanted a close relationship. You see, you can never give in a certain way if you don't have a relationship with God. And don't, don't be deceived. If you say you have a relationship and you don't give, you don't have a relationship. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Because if you, if you have a close relationship, you know what a person needs. Amen. If you don't have a relationship with me, it will be very difficult to buy me a gift. Because I'm very funny with the things I like. Do you get it? Because you may think that I like a big thing, but I don't like a big thing. Uh, you, you know, like you're, you're buying me PlayStation. Why? Because. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? A lot of times people buy me things and as soon as I see the things, I immediately it has to go because I don't need it. Hallelujah. You need to have a close relationship to know what. There are some people when they are traveling, they know exactly what to buy me. That will put a smile on my face. Because they have a relationship with me. So they know that when they go, they have to buy. There's a black bag and it has some things in there. In fact, there are two items. And for me, when you buy those, you have, it's, it's, it's Christmas come early. I won't tell you. <laughs> I won't tell you. You have to have a relationship with me to know. If you don't have a, you won't know. Are you understand what I'm saying? In the same way, sometimes what we go and give God, we think God likes this. But because we don't have a relationship with him, we are giving something that he doesn't want. Hallelujah. You need to have a relationship to know what will really do you know that when somebody gives you something that you really want and you like, it just endears you to the person. But if you give the thing that the person doesn't want, doesn't need, they look at it. They will say thank you, but Hallelujah. Am I making sense? It takes a certain relationship to become extravagant in your giving. The reason why you are struggling to be a giver in the house of God is because you don't have a relationship with God. 
you, you don't even know how to please him. You don't know what pleases him. Hallelujah. Amen. Number three. Are you okay with me? All right. Giving provokes God onto the scene. Giving provokes God onto the scene. Amen. How many know that giving? The Bible says in verse Verse number, um, was it verse number, number six? Verse five, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared. You see, verse four, he gives, and verse five, the Lord appears and says, ask what you want. Amen. Giving provokes God. Some people think that if you want to provoke God onto the scene, you have to pray a lot. Yes, prayer can also provoke God. Some people think that when they cry and they sing, God will come. I'm showing one quickest, the quickest way God comes on the scene. It's extravagant giving. In Acts chapter 10 verse 31, the Bible says that, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms given has been remembered in the sight of God. Amen. In Luke chapter 7 verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, so he heard about Jesus and he sent the elders to the, of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal the servant. And, he, and they came and said to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying, that the one of whom you should do this is deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Oh, but look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. The Bible says, And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal, every clean bed, and offered burnt offerings. Not burnt offering. Bent offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelt a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said to in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil for, from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. The Lord smelt the, the, the aroma of the burnt offerings, the lot of offerings that he gave. And decided to come on the scene. But what do we do? We offer vile offerings. Malachi chapter 1, verse 7. He says, You offer defiled food on my altar. You say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. When you offer blind sacrifices, is it not evil? When you offer lame and sick, is it not evil? When you offer, offer it then to your governor, would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord? Hmm? We offer sick, coughing goats. Meh. Meh. 
Because <coughs> that one nobody wants. <laughs> so that's the one you bring. <laughs> the one that, you know, the, the, the lame one. That <coughs> the one, one eyed one. That's the one you are bringing. You tried to go and sell it in the market, nobody bought it. So <laughs> you are bringing it. The house of God will take it like that. He says, give it to your boss and see whether your boss will be pleased with you. If I were a father, where is my honor? If I were a boss, where is my reverence? Look at the things you are putting in the offering uh, uh, envelope. I knew I won't get one amen in the church, so I brought a bag full of it. I knew you would never say amen. And you see, this type of messages, pastors are afraid to preach them because it's like uh, 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 he wants money. The pastor wants money. But me, I do, you know I don't fear you. <laughs> so I don't really care. Hallelujah. Listen, every church, every church, when you come to the giving, the giving of the church is around 20% of the church. 20%. That's maximum people give. The same people will take 100%, sometimes they take 200%. They take even the borrow to go to the shops. You are buying things on credit card that you are owing. Buy now, pay later. You are buying things on credit. Buy now, pay later. You are buying shoe. Buy now, pay later. You are buying hair. Buy now, pay later. You are buying lipstick. Buy now, pay later. You are buying clothes. Buy now, handbags. Buy now, Michael Kors. Buy now, pay later. Interest-free chair, then you are sitting on it. <laughs> you are sitting on it, and then one day you're, you, somebody uses a blade, trrr, the chair is torn, but you still haven't paid, and it's gathering interest. That one is okay to spend 100 and 200% of your income, but when it comes to the house of God, then you bring the coffin goods. You bring the lame, lame duck. Five pounds, two pounds, three pounds. And you think God will be pleased with you. He says, give it to your boss. It's your boss's bed, they give you your boss two pounds. (laughs) Put it in an envelope and send it to your boss. I know some people will be offended by this message, but really, I don't care. I don't care. I am trying to help you to be a better Christian. Yeah, be a better worshiper. The Bible says that two guys went to offer sacrifice. Abel took the choicest fatlings. Look for that scripture for me. Abel took the choicest of the fatlings. He brought the firstlings, which means that he chose the first and the best. He went in and chose the first and the best, reserved it for the Lord. 
But Cain just brought some coughing goats, some tubers of yam, and then <laughs> plantain. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought some things. Like we bring some things. Just convenient giving. You know what convenience giving is like? They say, Pastor Sam says that you must give. So you go into your bag and just rustle some, some things. The loose change that is there. And then you put it in an envelope and then you seal it to make it look proper. And then you bring it. In the process of time, Cain brought some offerings to the Lord. Of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought the firstlings, the firstborns. Which means that it was an intentional worship. Intentional uh, choosing. He chose the intentionally. He chose that I am going to church. When I go, I'm giving this amount. He brought the firstborn of his flock. And their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you have done well, would you not be accepted? If you do not do well, then sin lies at your door. And his desire is for you. The reason why we don't give a certain deliberately and don't give well is because sin lies at our door and he desires to have us. He desires to make us prisoners. Prisoners of goods. Prisoners of, of money. Prisoners of, of wealth. He wants to imprison us. You'll be chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing and you'll never find it. Haggai chapter 1. He says that you have you have brought in a lot but it didn't profit you. You have gathered a lot. You put it in a bag. You have sown much and it brings in little. You eat but you are hungry. You, are, you don't have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you are not warm. You earn wages and earns wages to put in a bag of holes. You, that says the Lord. You see, can you imagine you are putting in a bag of holes? Those days, money was not, uh, what do you call it, paper. It was coins. So imagine your, 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 your income is in coins. It's in gold coins, and you put them in the gold coins, and it has holes in the back. So as you are putting, it's dropping. Let me bring it to our modern day. As you, are, you have earned your money, the bay leaves have come. Five years ago, we had the, uh, what do you call it, a bill you didn't pay. You have forgotten about it. They say the bill, the thing has gone into, uh, what do you call it? It has gone into credit, whatever, whatever. So now they say you owe uh, 1,500. That's holes that have been punctured in your, in, uh, your account. You just have a, a new uh, uh, TV that is in your, on your wall. Your children are playing. Somebody uses 
flying frisbee. Won't shine. It is broken. You can't fix it. You have to go and buy a new one. That is a hole that has been created. You have a very nice, you are saving money, the money has come. Then somebody dies. A big hole has been created. As soon as you gather, say somebody, you get a phone call. Hey, your, your grandmother is sick. They are doing operation. They say everybody must bring some money. Hole. How many, how many have experienced some of these holes I'm talking about? Unexpected expenses. Yeah. It's, it's being swallowed because you earn wages, but you are put in a bag of holes. Why? Because you haven't done. So he said, consider your ways. Go on, next verse. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, build the temple that I may take pleasure and glory be glorified. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. You brought in a lot, but I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord. Because of my house that is in ruins, while you each one runs to his own house. Hallelujah. Because you are, you are planning for your house, but you're not planning for the house of God. Nobody thinks about the house of God. Nobody thinks, uh, or like, oh, let's plan for the house of God. Let's put this away for this. No, 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 no. It is not part of us. See, that's why we have the pastor there. Hallelujah. And the pastor, you don't pay him. Do you know that in the scriptures, the Bible, when God was giving the inheritance to uh, uh, the 12 tribes, he left Levi out. He says that, Levi, Levi, your, your portion is me. I am your inheritance, which means that all your brothers will come and pay for you to pay for your upkeep so that you stay in the house of God and worship me. But in this our modern day, because we are so stingy, the pastors have had to look for their own jobs. Yeah. The pastor has to have a trade. Because if he's going to depend on you, hey. <laughs> it won't be easy. It won't be easy. I mean, I can preach this message because I've been preaching in this room for 10 years. Nobody has given one pound. Never earned one pound from anybody in this church. 10 years, and I'm still here. So I don't need your pound. Even if you like, I'll give you some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in these days, the pastors are having to give rather than receiving. We have 10 things upside down. I'm talking, I'm talking to thieves, so they can't, they can't say amen. amen. I don't care whether you say amen or not. Amen. My house lies in ruins. The pastor is supposed to be here all day for eight hours a day praying for you because he's being paid by your offering. But because you are stingy 
and you will not give, and you bring coffin and, and, and blind lambs. The pastors will run and go and look for a job. I was talking to my friend. When I, when I was, uh, uh, he always used to laugh at me. He says, uh, you are a pastor, you don't have faith. My friend, my bishop friend, he said to me, you are a pastor, you don't have faith. I said, why? He said, you have to trust God. Come to the ministry full time and trust God like me. I said, brother, the Bible says to each and their own. You let me do, do it my way for now. So I'm working and I am pastoring. And then my friend said, it always, it always used to be on my case that uh, you don't have faith. You don't have faith. Then when his church member started bringing coffin and <laughs> blind goats, he realized that he, he can't survive. So he quickly ran to go and look for a job. <laughs> yeah. I said, it's not easy. I said, because the church members are not Christian in their hearts. They don't love God. If you're a believer, say amen. amen. <laughs> Do you see how, how reluctant your amen was? <laughs> One person brings 22,000 uh, cattle, 120,000 sheep. How would the priest run and go and look for a job? When somebody is bringing 24 million, to the house of God. Do you think the priest will have to go and look for a job? <laughs> hey, Charlie. <laughs> I have some things that I want to say, but I'm, uh, I, I am, I'm thinking whether you can, you can handle it or not. See, there is nobody who can outgive God. David said, by my proper hands, I've laid aside because I wanted to build God a house, but God refused me. So he said, by my proper hands, have I laid aside materials for the buildings. I have all the materials that is needed. I myself, I bought it with my own money. I have saved everything. I have made provision for the whole house, the temple to be built. I have me, myself, alone. And God said, that because you have done this, I will also build your house. When God, when Solomon gave this amount of offering, Immediately, God says, no, you are trying to compete with me. You are trying to compete with me. Ask me what you want. Ask me what you want, and I'll give it to you. I will show you how to give. You cannot outgive God. There's nobody who can. He says, I'm bringing the money that God has never given, given and will never be able to give me. No, no, no. It's never possible. When you give, God will give you more than you have given. Hallelujah. See, I, I can preach and I can talk like this because I've experienced it in my life. I decided to leave all my work and become a full-time missionary, paid by myself. Nobody paid me a penny. 
I went on mission by myself to pay myself to go and preach the word of God. God says, if you have given, I will show you that I can give more than you. Hallelujah. And God gave me more than I thought I had given him. So that the people I left behind in the office and went to work, when I came back, I had more money than they who had been in the office all those years. Whether you clap or not, I don't really care. <laughs> I didn't ask you to clap, so if you are clapping, clap properly. See, God will, will, will uh, you cannot outgive God. God will bring, he opened the windows of heaven. He says that, prove me now with, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you such a blessing that you cannot contain. There will be no room for you to contain. If you want to go to challenge God in giving, try it and see. It is not possible. David tried it. It didn't work. Solomon tried it. It didn't work. I'll give you so much that you you will not be able to contain it. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything that is in the earth is for him. Hallelujah. Including the people that dwell in the earth. Yeah, you are believing God for the boss to look favorably and choose you for the job. But that man's heart belongs to God. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it wherever he wants. He turns it to the left if he wants. He turns it to the right if he wants. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you seeing an extravagant worshiper? Let's look at some of the characteristics of an extravagant worshiper. Solomon's worship his character, his character trait, number one, Solomon was humble. You cannot be an extravagant worshiper if you are not humble. Amen. He had a humble heart. Amen. Look at First Kings uh, 3, 7. Now, O oh Lord, you have made your servant king instead of my father. He's talking about himself. And he's calling himself a servant before the Lord. You have made your servant a king instead of my father. I am a little child. I did not know how to go out or come in. Humility. The reason why we don't give in a certain ways, because we are proud. We are arrogant. We don't know that what we have is from him. Hello. Hello. I say hello. If you know that what you have is not yours and is from the Lord, and you are humble, you just bring it, oh, it's yours, take it. He said, he called himself a servant. 
In verse 7, he called himself a servant. In verse 8, he called himself a servant. And verse 9, he calls himself a servant. Three verses. Hallelujah. He says that, give what? Your servant an understanding heart. He's the king. He's calling himself a servant. That is the heart of Solomon. Look at the heart of Michal. How glorious was the king today? Dancing before the common girls and common boys. So much that your, your clothes come off you. And the Lord shut her womb from that day because of her arrogance and pride. When it comes to the Lord and worship, please, let's be humble. I know you have a Versace uh, shoe on. I know you have a, what do you call it, a Gucci, uh, what do you call it, skirt on. But sit on the floor with it or lie on the floor with it. I know your hair cost, and it took uh, nine, nine hours to do. I know that, but put it on the floor. Don't be too full of yourself. Because it, it's all rubbish. Look at those, uh, what do you call it, people in Ukraine. You have thousand shoes, thousand bags, thousand, what do you call it, suits, Armani suits, hanging in your wardrobe. The, the bomb goes off. The thing goes <laughs> When the thing goes, you only have a small bag. You see all your Versace suits don't matter. Because you have to be running. Let us not be too full of ourselves when we are in the house of God. Your clothes, your... your Please, please, be humble. Number two, he was full of thanksgiving. If you are not thankful, you will not give. A lot of us don't give in a certain way because we believe that our hands have brought us what we have. What do you have that you have not received? What do you have that was not given to you? Why are you boasting about the things that you have? As if it were not given to you by God. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you the ability to create wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18. He is the one who gives. Everything you have was given to you by God. He is the one that woke you up in the morning. And gave you the strength you have to go and get that job. Why do you boast? Because you have some shoes and bags. Because you have a car. And you have a house.
Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Be thankful. Somebody say, I am going to be thankful from today. Oh, say like you mean it. I'm going to be thankful. Yeah, be thankful. Be thankful. In verse 6, he says, you have shown great mercy to your servant because he walked before you. You have continued in this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit. He was thinking and recounting and was thankful to the Lord. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. I like the scripture very much. Bible says that, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for, for him from their substance. Because they were grateful. I had demons tormenting me. I couldn't sleep. I could not do anything. I had issues. Joanna, since I had a bad marriage, I could not. The other women, said, we had issues and God, through the ministry of Jesus, has saved us. So what can we do? How can we express our gratitude? All that I have and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. And so they give out of their substance to the Lord. Amen. Because in Matthew 6, 21, the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. 